In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers, who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you listeners for tuning in to In The Pocket. I'm your host, Bo Edwards, and our guest today, our very special guest is Edward Abare. Um, hopefully I didn't uh, say that uh, too off, but I'm hopefully close to <laughs> pronouncing the last name right because it seems yeah. straightforward. Um, he is yeah. a scientist and he's a rugby player. He's published in a lot of scientific journals. Um, please, Edward, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, thank you, Flo. Uh, shall I call you Flo? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm used to. Uh, so, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, thanks uh, for bringing me into your audience in the podcast. And uh, so my name is Edward Obari, uh, Obare. Um, I'm originally from Kenya. Uh, first off, I'll start. I'm a scientist. I'm a senior scientist uh, at a veterinary diagnostic company here in Maine. And um, my degree is in uh, biochemistry. And I um, specialized in uh, uh, analytical chemistry. And uh, by that, I mean, uh, we use instruments to test out the contents of uh, chemicals within all kinds of things, solutions, foods, and all. And, and in my particular field, we test uh, chemicals of interest in uh, uh, dog and cat uh, urine, serum, and, and blood as well. So I've been a scientist for about 20 years now. Um, I graduated from North Carolina State University, um, and then I immediately went into IDEX because I was interning at IDEX at the time. And at the time, um, the IDEX had a pharmaceutical division. So IDEX's primary uh, market is in uh, diagnostics, which is um, they give veterinarians the tools to test for different diseases in cats and dogs and then on the other side there is uh, pharmaceuticals where the vets uh, give uh, uh, the animals therapies uh, treatment for the various diseases they tested uh, for so I did have a pharmaceutical division uh, for a little while, and that's where, how I got into IDEX. And I've been at IDEX ever since 2003. 
so um i can carry on to <laughs> further uh along where i started so i'm originally from kenya um i was born in kenya and uh i lived there for from birth till i was 21. Uh, uh, around 21, I decided to come college in the United States. Um, I was accepted at uh, Morgan State University, which is a historically black college, which I'm really appreciative of as my first experience here in the U.S. Uh, being in a historically black college. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I spent two years over there. And then I transferred uh, to North Carolina State University. I did get married uh, in Baltimore. Oh, North Carolina, uh, Morgan State University, for the audience who don't know, is in uh, Baltimore. So I did get married, and uh, my spouse at the time and I transferred to um, North Carolina State University. My spouse went to graduate school, and uh, I continued on with uh, my undergraduate studies and uh, I eventually graduated with a biochemistry degree. Um, and uh, that's uh, a brief, a very brief uh, summary of, uh, of me and uh, how I got to where I am. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I've been to an HBCU for dental school, but I, I never had the undergrad yeah. experience. Uh, what was one yes. major takeaway? Uh, Morgan State, yes. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was understanding uh, culturally, uh, the Black experience culturally. And um, uh, I think... Uh, everybody knows there's a lot of uh at the time when i was born in the 80s 70s 80s and 90s there's a lot of at the time uh hip-hop influence all over the world uh everybody admires uh, you know what's coming from the u.s uh, from the black culture in the u.s so when i got here you know i had that my admiration as well but i also got to taste a little bit of uh the black culture, which is very similar to uh, African culture, which <laughs> is not by accident. So, you know, <laughs> we're, uh, we all came from Africa, you know, including, I guess, white folks. That's what they say. So uh, I got a taste of, you know, all kinds of, uh, it was really a good cultural experience. And uh, I made good friends. And uh, I got to understand um, America from uh, uh, black people, African-Americans' point of view, and uh, which is quite different uh, of an experience than when I went to uh, uh, North Carolina State University, which is uh, a big university, which is predominantly white. and. Uh, so there's quite a few differences culturally and uh yeah my big takeaway was the cultural experience which was a very big positive for me yeah i would say one of because i went to an undergrad that was small liberal arts college 
uh, but it was very white. And then I did dental right. school at Howard. Uh, yeah. Very big campus, uh, very black, right. obviously. Uh, but right. diverse black because, I mean, there are so many people from different countries there, different states. Right. Um, and yeah. one thing I loved, we'd be in the lab. So one of our first labs, we had to draw teeth and oh. we had to carve them out of wax too. So it's like our art lab. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. we'd play music and we'd like sing along to the spots. Like I never had that experience at a white school. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So in that way, it was super similar to, you know, uh, African culture, you know, the music, the having fun, doing whatever you're doing, which continued on from, you know, when I was in Kenya to here. So the culture shop wasn't, it wasn't a huge culture shock for me, you know, because I kind of, we kind of do things similarly in the in Kenya as well. So that was a really smooth transition for me from uh, uh, Kenyan culture over to African-American culture. And then I was introduced to the whole United States after that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, how did you know that you wanted to be a scientist? Well, uh, my dad uh, had a science background. My dad passed a long time ago. Uh, my dad and mom as well. And uh, they did not pass. They were still alive when I came to the U.S. in uh, 1996. But before that, my dad... <laughs> actually was a MD, was a medical doctor, uh, and he got his um, medical degree interest thing enough from Poland. So, uh, uh, Kenya was colonized by uh, the British, and um, as we were about to get uh, independence from the British, uh, a few black leaders got together and uh, decided to sponsor some black folks, uh, black kids, uh, so they could build a professional, um, uh, let's build some professions in Kenya. There was no professional uh, schools or anything. So they had to send folks out to Europe. And my dad was one of the people who was selected. So he got his MD degree from, um, Poland and came back to Kenya so I was always exposed to the science and the medical profession and of course my dad wanted me to be a doctor so uh, I did start with a pre-med I came in to the US Morgan State and NC State as a pre-med student and then I uh, I diverted a little bit and uh got a biochemistry degree and then I unfortunately got a job at IDEX and I continued on to IDEX and um, so I, in another life I could have been you know a medical doctor but uh, that did not happen so I moved on into something else that was uh, science related and uh, pretty similar to uh, medicine uh, human medicine. So that's why I ended up. <laughs> nice. So, um, have you been publishing articles through 
what you do for work or did that start while you were also a student at North Carolina State? Um, that started while I was working uh, for the company I work for. So when we um, say discover a new uh, chemical, we call them biomarkers that uh, is able to detect, say, kidney disease in cats. Um, we want to test it on other vets and also other academics. And um, the best way to do that is to get it to publish it somewhere in a medical journal with the help of uh, the key opinion leaders in the field, which are veterinary, uh, veterinarians, or they could be professors at veterinary uh, 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 campuses. So with the help of uh, these key opinion leaders, um, we get their input on uh, what they think about whatever we discovered, and then we publish it. And then uh, the whole veterinary um, field, uh, they, they have their say, and uh, well, if th is this something that we can use? Is this something that uh, adds value? to a veterinary clinic. And uh, once we get how the vets feel, uh, we move on to create a product out of this uh, discovery we made. So publishing is a very critical part of uh, getting a product into the market for iBooks. So we like to publish whenever we can, when we're about to launch any kind of product. So that's how I got into uh, publishing. Uh, of course, with uh, my mentor, who was uh, my manager, uh, who's a scientist as well. So we published together anything we discovered on the in the in the in the lab. We would try and publish, and uh, that would help our products out in the market as well. So how many articles do you, would you say that you usually publish in a year? Uh, <laughs> it varies. Uh, it depends on whether I'm involved in the product that's in the, uh, in the pipeline in IDEX. So if they're getting ready to launch a product in a couple of years, then we try and publish uh, at least two or three uh, publications and white papers a year. And then when we're doing the initial discovery and research, uh, there's not a lot to publish. So like now when I'm in a research phase of something else, we're looking into some other disease, um, lymphoma, be it lymphoma, obesity, or uh, hypertension in cats and dogs. So we're doing the research right now, so there's really nothing yet to publish. So some years we go not publishing anything. And a lot of uh, my publications that I was involved in uh, happened a couple of years ago within the time frame of like two to four years, uh, a few years ago. And uh, we got a lot of publications for a new product for kidney disease that uh, 
we got out to various publications. And then CESPAD, uh, uh, nothing has happened in that area so much. So <laughs> I haven't published in uh, like two or three years. So it really depends on the, where Hybex is at with the products. So it's great. We know a lot about your daytime job. Um, one of your hobbies is rugby. Uh, so, uh, rugby, I've always been a very athletic kid since I was a little child and I started playing rugby in high school in, uh, when I was like 13 years old, way back. Uh, uh, I, I'm not afraid to give, give my age, <laughs> I was in the 1989 and, uh, I got into rugby as well as basketball and, um, I played throughout high school, and then uh, after high school, uh, I played a little bit in Kenya. And then when I get to the U.S., um, I was uh, tied up with, you know, university work, college work. And uh, once I graduated, uh, I wanted to fill up some of that time with, you know, something. So, you know... I like athletics, any kind of athletics, basketball, uh, rugby, football. And since I played rugby since I was a child and it was familiar to me, I decided to you know, look into various clubs in uh, the U.S. So rugby in the U.S. is kind of a niche sports. There's clubs all over everywhere but they're kind of hard to find unless you're looking for them. So these are amateur clubs. Uh, the, there hasn't been professional rugby in the U.S. Um, and it only recently started a couple of years ago, but before that, there was no professional rugby. So there was all sorts of amateur clubs. Uh, there was clubs in uh, Baltimore, in North Carolina as well. And... Uh, it's a you know good thing to do. We play practice Tuesdays, Thursdays, and play on Saturdays. And we have a lot of uh, social events on after the game on Saturdays. So it's a good way to meet uh, new friends, uh, new people, and it's also a good way to get my exercise in. So uh, kind of kills two birds with one stone, <laughs> and keeps me busy as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and during the pandemic, um, were any yeah. of these clubs running that you were a part of? No, uh, everything stopped. Uh, <laughs> as you know, um, yeah, uh, we're all sequestered at home. So um, I wasn't able, actually nobody was able to play rugby and uh, uh, all go to work. Uh, we worked remotely. Um, luckily, there were things we could do at home remotely. Uh, my job involves a lot of lab work. So we couldn't do the lab work, but we could do research. Uh, we could uh, uh, read papers online and uh, discuss the papers and, uh, you know, troubleshoot and discuss uh, various problems that may have arisen before the pandemic and uh, but we weren't able to get in the lab until later on so uh, 
that's what we did and uh, there was no rugby so that was kind of you get a lot of you know <laughs> cabin fever you know get antsy and yeah i was just like anybody else just staying at home and bored at home <laughs> yeah did, did you do any running on your own or weightlifting yes uh i've always done uh, some sort of exercise uh to stay in shape and um I did a little bit of running with uh, my my kids as well, and uh, we got out a lot. We rode our bikes, and, uh, a lot of uh, workout, lifting weights in the basement, and things like that. And um, we tried to keep ourselves busy, you know, just to break the monotony. And uh, yeah, uh, and I think uh, as with everybody. Because, you know, the pandemic was a little difficult, uh, mostly mentally, you know, because uh, if you're used to, you know, being out there doing stuff and physically uh, having, doing physical activities with folks and with you, your kids, uh, it's kind of hard to sit at home and uh, not do anything. So, uh we we'll push through and uh, hopefully uh, things will get better from here. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if um, rugby season, I don't know when rugby season is, but are, are people talking right. about it this summer or? Oh yes, uh, we played uh, our first season after the pandemic was uh, last year during the fall. So there were some restrictions that were lifted uh, last year, if you remember, and uh, we were able to meet in a group. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I played rugby. I played rugby for the hometown rugby team here in Portland. But right now I'm playing for Boston, so I drive to Boston and back. So, because Boston was my former club, so I would drive to Boston. <laughs> and uh, practice with them and we played a few games with them and uh, we completed the season before Christmas uh, sometime in December and then now we're gearing up for the playoffs uh, the national playoffs uh, and we had our first game uh, last week so uh, it felt good <laughs> and uh, yeah well I'm kind of old for rugby but you know until I find uh, something else to fill, you know, that void, I guess I'm going to keep playing rugby uh, for a couple more years uh, and maybe try something else. <laughs> yeah, you can be like Tom Brady for a little bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'll get paid for it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, one thing that uh, I've always done as well in, in addition to rugby is uh, I've done a lot of art since I was a child so drawing oil paintings uh, uh, watercolor painting and uh, it slowed down a little bit as an adult but uh, that's one, another thing that I've always gotten into uh, 
since I was a teenager. So that keeps me busy as well. Oh, that's very cool. So where's like your studio? Do you have like your own little space in the basement for your art? Yeah, uh, it's sometimes it's upstairs. You know, there's no space really, but sometimes I'm upstairs, sometimes I'm downstairs. Uh, I prefer watercolors and I prefer just drawing really and uh, maybe watercolors on occasion. And I've always drawn, you know, <clears throat> as a child, you know, uh, I was a very quiet, uh, reserved child. I still am. And uh, one thing that uh, kept me going and busy was just drawing all the time. And that carried on into my adulthood as well. And yeah, that's what I do in my free time. And I did a lot of that during the pandemic as well. So. Have you thought about sharing or exhibiting any of your artwork? Um, yes, <laughs> but not seriously. <laughs> I'm one of those guys who, oh, I draw maybe a cat and uh, I look at it and then just put it away. You know, I'll give it to somebody. <laughs> I know you have two dogs. How many cats do you have? Yeah. I've uh, had three, but now we have two. One left the house and didn't come back, unfortunately. But uh, I have two calico cats. Um, one is blind and uh, one is uh, long-haired. So <laughs> the blind one stays indoors all the time and the other one goes out on occasion and comes back <laughs> when she wants to. And yeah, and also my dogs, um, two dogs as well, you know. Uh, Datsun mix, one of those long, short dogs. And uh, Australian Kelchi uh, mix, very high energy type dog, herding dog. That sounds like a dog you could run with, the high energy one. Yes. Yes, uh, we do run uh, uh, daily <laughs> in the morning. Uh, we run. Uh, she runs me. This uh, <laughs> is me a little bit, you know. <laughs> nice. Well, Edward, yeah. thank you so much for yeah. spending time with us on ITP. Yeah. Um, how can yeah. listeners reach you? What's the plug? Well, uh, I can always be reached on LinkedIn, um, Edward Abari. Um, yeah, uh, if you search my name, it'll come up and, uh, yeah, you can reach me anytime, um, uh, uh, with any questions about, uh, science and, uh, especially, uh, black folks, uh, if you're interested in science, uh, how you get into science. How you get into industry science, uh, into the companies? Uh, yeah, I can answer all your questions about that. Uh, I've been in the uh, science, veterinary science field for over 20 years, uh, so um, yeah, I have a little bit of experience on, you know, how it feels like, uh, what kind of work we do, and uh, what it takes to get to, you know. Uh, to be successful 
the veterinary diagnostic uh, industry. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.